there, folks, and welcome back to the Grave Consequences Podcast. I am Caleb B, and that's where you can follow me on Twitter. Follow Greg at xmaserati, and remember that not only are we your favorite wrestling podcaster's favorite wrestling podcast, but we are also the we're the Ronald Reagan of wrestling podcasts. I don't know where we're going with this one, but sure. Um, uh, well, you know that's another thing because you know, we're ripping off David Starr because he's a sex pest, and you know who cares? Who cares if we rip him off now? So I was like, well, he he says Ronald or he says Bernie Sanders, so let's go the opposite way. Let's go Ronald Reagan. Uh, I see. Um, I'll try to think of someone more anti-Bernie, but the the, the most anti-Bernie person I can think of is the Clintons, I guess, because they. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, robbed them of an election, so. Yeah, the Clintons, the the DNC itself, the the, the party. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I think before we get, this will be the first time we ever get any, you know, comments whatsoever on the product. I think it's we should state that we're neither of us are Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know if you're Republican or if you're Libertarian. Well, I will say this: I am registered Republican, um, but that's because Libertarians that want to win run Republican. And I would like to vote in primaries. Yeah, and that's a good strategy because I'm I'm registered libertarian, and watching the Republican debates was just uh, not this election, but the previous one uh, when Trump mm-hmm. won. It was baffling uh, because yeah. certain people did really well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's it was the same for the Democrat. Uh, you know, uh, debates. I I felt certain people did certain did very well. And uh, didn't go far enough, and other people did terrible and got way further. So, um, the two people who immediately spring to mind uh, in order are Tulsi Gabbard and Joe Biden. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I also Yang was pretty good too. Yeah, ahead of his time. He's like the Dreamcast. He came too soon. People weren't ready for UBI. <laughs> Uh, but then years from now, people were like, man, that was those that Dreamcast had some great launch titles. And you know, you remember Crazy Taxi? That that game was awesome. Or do you remember all the SNK fighting games? But you know, we're not a. It's like not, uh, it's like Marty McFly at the dance in the fifties. Like, yeah, you may not appreciate that, but your kids are gonna love it. Yeah, I, I've seen so many people talking about UBI since. Uh, it's kind of it's interesting how things like that happen. It has there has to be someone that. Set the hat that starts the uncomfortable conversation gets ridiculed and then it later, you know, becomes a thing. Yeah. Yang is basically Yang daddy is basically like the, the uh, Copernicus of this discussion. See, I know people that wanted to vote for him. <laughs> Their idea was, you know, can I get the UBI up front? Like for all for all eight of your terms, <laughs> and just invest it before he runs out of money. Great. That, that is great. dude. <laughs> if, if only, uh, I could have. I mean, imagine in taking like uh, whatever. And put it UB- all in coin. Yep, <laughs> put it all in Doge. <laughs> <laughs> or any By kind the of way, crypto, because crypto blew up a. Uh, yeah. A couple yeah. years ago. Crypto has been, and it, and it's seen another uh, spike here recently. But the funny thing about Doge is, you know, Elon's been all about Doge for months now, and I think they said minutes after SNL started, it dropped seven cents. <laughs> Oh really? Yes. Yeah, and I don't even want to talk about those those idiots. SNL is stock poison. Um, 
<laughs> but but enough about about politics and uh, SNL. Who the hell do we think we are? One Nation Radio. Um, we should about... we should be the only uh, politic podcast on the thing. But I don't really have much else to say though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and uh, me either. I don't have much else of value to say anyway. Me but <laughs> we are here to review the season finale of Lucha Underground season one. This is Ultima Lucha part two. And um, just some, some news for you folks. We are going to take, because uh, this is going to air on May 27. We're going to take, what, about a month off and come back around the 4th of July? Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, we don't have it set in stone. Uh, we're, we're, we're both waiting for certain things to get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're waiting for, because I don't know if we said on the air, but you're, you have a location issue right now. Sort of. uh, yeah, I've been recording out of my car basically since March now. Yeah, and it's getting probably warmer now, so it's going to be probably a little unbearable. And and getting our schedules linked up because I think yours is going to change a little bit. It's just well, been hard for both of us lately. Change, it's going to change, but the way things are going, it might be for the better for the podcast to where I work a morning job. That way I could hypothetically any of the seven days of the week I could record something. Yeah, that would it would make it easier for both of mm-hmm. us. So we've been uh, we've been on time, and I think uh, I have something scheduled to drop this week. If not, I have to hurry up and edit a preview to, previous episode. But um, you know, we we th- haven't. This week should be the sorry. This week should be the last episode before um, the first episode of Ultima Lucha. <laughs> okay, so I'm good. I don't have to edit anything right away. Good. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, we ha- we've managed to not miss an episode. Yeah. Yeah, and we are going to take a month off. I mean, uh, for those of you listening, if you weren't watching Lucha Underground when it was airing, the first season there was what, like nearly a year of de- of nothing, right? Yeah, that's and true. Then the second, the second season, after the second season, they took like six weeks to start the third, but then they split it in half, and they finished out the third season, the first half of the third season in 2016, and then brought back the end of the third season like eight months later yeah they had a lot of unfortunately lucha underground had a lot of things going against it, even though it was a very good product uh, just the way they did contracts was bad it screwed over mm-hmm. their talent which made the talent not want to stay the state that they were on they couldn't get viewership and el ray didn't give them a lot of a budget either and i think that was a mistake on el ray's part because who's what who even talks about literally I mean, the only other thing people would know about el ray by, by chance is people that that liked from dusk till dawn the movie and they're like oh it got adapted into a series onto this network i've never heard of let's check it out see they could have brought so many new viewers just with this wrestling medium even if it wasn't generating you know that kind of money right away look i i don't want to get accusatory but I would not be shocked if, because Cage did appear on an episode of From Dusk Till Dawn, I would not be shocked if that happened to be the highest viewed episode of that series on that network. We should, yeah, I, you'd probably be right. I mean, who? what else was bringing people to the El Rey network? Uh, who knows, man? Not a lot of people were riding with El Rey, as they said. Well, and they didn't really, unfortunately, I think it was a lot of old school, not even old school, but just 
to make a product like this work, you can't really just play by, I don't want to say the rules, but you just can't do everything the way you normally would. You kind of got to be a little aggressive with it. You got to be patient and you can't just, uh, just the, the contracts I think is the thing that killed them the most, making it so the wrestlers couldn't make money elsewhere. It's like, what are they going to do while it's on hiatus? And that just, I, I think once, and I'm a firm believer is that once you start pissing off your employees and you start treating your employees like crap, it, it does affect the product. And it, mm-hmm. it anywhere like i've had a job where we it, the job would recommend they'd be like go to glassdoor if you ever heard of glassdoor it's great because you can see this see how the people working there uh, rate the company well the the company i worked for they even gave out stickers this is like years ago it's not it's not my current company they'd be like yeah we love glassdoor put user put they'd put the stickers on their laptops so everyone could see like yeah we want you to go to glassdoor we want you to see our ratings then they laid off half the employees <laughs> and their glassdoor rating went from like a four or five to like a two or a three <laughs> of course man and the glass door rating on lucha underground management is probably like a one yeah you, you, I've, I've seen things about how conan was saying like well conan was getting into people's ears once he found out they were fans of conan or uh, of vamp and you know if you have people like that politicking you know and i think he conan even said people were politicking and like not changing the rules, but getting preferential treatment and a change the booking. And unfortunately I can see that happening in a few situations. Yeah. Yeah. But tonight we're here. And it's funny you mentioned Vampiro because Vampiro will not be on the call tonight because he will be wrestling Pentagon jr. In a Cerro Miedo match. Um, but tonight Matt Stryker is joined by Australian announcer, Mike, or uh, pardon me. Australian fight announcer Mike Schiavello. And uh, let me ask, what did you think of Schiavello's performance tonight? Did anything stick out to you in particular? I mean, the one thing that stuck out to me is that he was good, mm-hmm. but he was going too fast for Stryker. He was good, but he did. There were a couple of crutches that I noticed. Oh, really? On In his enunciation. Um, let me see. I hope I wrote one down. Because. Um, <laughs> Oh my god, he would lean on this a lot. Um, pow right in the kisser. <laughs> like anytime someone got hit in the mouth, pow right in the kisser. Um, oh my god, the big kibosh. He would say that a lot as well. I do remember that. Yeah. See, I'm surprised I missed pow in the kisser because I I probably would have laughed normally every time he said that. <laughs> yeah, he may not have said pow right in the kisser, but he definitely said right in the kisser. I heard that for sure. Okay. There was another one, but I can't remember it right now, man. That's all right. I mean, I, I think he was good, but the chemistry between him and Stryker, Stryker couldn't either keep up. Uh, it, it felt like he could have done it himself, like a yeah, like, like a like a Styles. Uh, what's his name from ECW? Joey Styles. Yeah. He felt like he could have pulled a Joey Styles, where Stryker really he Stryker is a good announcer, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, but this guy was kind of playing like a. a I don't know. It's it's I it's almost like they couldn't determine who was going to be color commentary, who was going to be, you know, the uh yeah. play by play. Yeah. Cuz this guy was kind of doing both. And then Striker was kind of like, well, I don't, he didn't take it easy. He was trying to get in there. Um, yeah. but they probably could have I don't know. I don't want to play, you know, uh Captain Hindsight, but it, there was some it's not even detrimental to the product, but there was they they didn't really sync up as well as Vamp and and Striker. And that's fair. Like this is kind of a tall order. You're like, hey Matt, you've got a new partner this week. 
and I know it's the, I know you've never called a match together, but this is our biggest show so far, so we need you to do your very best. Like, that's a tall order. Very tall order. And I, I mean, I think they pulled it off. It was still good commentary. It's just you knew uh, it wasn't syncing up as well. as, and, and there's no way, it would have been uh, incredible if it did. Uh-huh. It's, it's a, it's it like, is a tall order. It's like, I'll take you back to 2009. This was when Jim Ross was on SmackDown with Taz and Jerry Lawler was on Raw with Michael Cole. Well, Taz's contract was up before WrestleMania and Taz left. And so their their solution was we're going to do a three-man booth, JR, Michael Cole, and the King. And in theory, it's like, okay, those are three, you know, think what you want of Michael Cole. I actually respect his talent. Um, you know, when he's doing his thing, he is one of the best damn announcer, announcers out there. Uh, that being said, these three guys never called a show together in that tandem. That is a tall order. Yeah, it's a tall order. And I, I got to say, I think three men booths, even in, I don't like them anywhere. No, frankly. me either. I don't like them in AEW, even though they're all fine. Uh, uh, I don't like it. Fine. Jim Ross is washed, dude. He's gotten better, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really good on. Does he the, care? Because uh, that's the key. He's got to care. He cares now. He cares. Okay, uh, that's good. It's, the problem is he's getting older, and I was thinking about it, especially because I was watching this show. Because uh, the the new guy was really getting into it. Uh, he he does care, but he doesn't care like it's Stone Cold. Yeah, all the time. Sometimes he can tap into it when Kenny's in there or Mox, uh, but. I mean, if you think about it, how often do you hear that in any wrestling where you got someone like Jerry the King Lawler in his prime in, in Attitude Era, and you got JR going, by God, by God, you know, this isn't right. You know, you, you don't have that really intensity. I mean, we, you don't I mean, you, get that in wrestling anymore at all. And it's a yes. Shame. And, and I think that's the complaint we made about other products is that there's some intensity like everyone's being funny which is fine mm -hmm. but you know i me i got in the wrestling in the 98 watching wwe wwf at the time and ecw so i kind of i really do miss some intensity yeah and that's the thing is like people don't think highly of like the ruthless aggression era especially the early parts from like 2002 to 2005 but like you could tell jim ross and even jerry lawler they still cared and they still had that intensity in their eyes. So even if like, okay, well on raw, you got the Crispin wall world title chase and like you got everything else below. It's kind of meh, but they still cared and they made the product look better than it may actually have been. You're right. I mean, and are even a Joey styles like it. I just, mm -hmm. and that's, and it's, there's no one product not doing it. It's really a lot of products that aren't doing it. Like uh, if I go to new Japan, uh, Kevin Kelly's really good. Really, yeah. Good. He he does yeah. get into it. Like he he'll he'll be like, oh, this isn't right. This is this is garbage. Like he'll trash the heels as yeah. so. Like he gets upset about the heels, and you know, uh, it, I, he's he doesn't get enough credit. I think I think he's really good. Yeah. Uh, and Jr. is starting to do that in AEW. It's just I would love more. Like I, I want to get angry. I want them to like rile me up so that I'm angry too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
like one of the last times I heard Michael Cole do that to where like you could tell like and you're like, okay, yeah, he's being produced, whatever. But it sounded believable. And this was in 2014 when every bit of commentary always sounded scripted. But I take you back to Elimination Chamber 2014. This was we had been going on six months at the time of Daniel Bryan, like coming up close to winning the title. And then, oh, someone pulled the rug out right below for like from under his feet at the very last moment. Well, it happens again, and Michael Cole is yelling and yelling. He's like, it's been happening since SummerSlam, and at some point, it's got to stop. And he's just, he's like, they don't show his face, but, like, you could tell he's, like, red-faced, vein pulsing out of his forehead, like, angry. <laughs> and we need more of that. We, we need less of, and look, Excalibur, great commentary guy, but we need less of Excalibur's, he did the deal, because who gives a shit? <laughs> Like, oh, it's a Falcon Arrow. Cool. Nobody wins with that. Yeah, I think you can. Um, I think you can have a little bit of that. There's mm-hmm. a healthy medium. There's a healthy medium. And I, I do like Excalibur. Uh, and he gets animated, too. Yeah, I like he'll get he'll get. And that's when he's, you know, doing his best work. I, I've I've always liked Excalibur. It's just. Uh, I, we kind of went on a on a on a, uh, a rant here, but uh I think this show had a little bit of that and it yes. was refreshing. Um, mm-hmm. I keep wanting to call him Gino, Gino uh, Gambino from, uh, from new Japan, but like, <laughs> I know it's, I know it's a different guy, but I, when I saw him, I was like, is that it's, it's my dementia acting up. Uh, you're, you're Chris Benoit brain, right? Yep. It's, it's pretty rattled. Oh man. I'm sorry. Um, I guess the dogs are the, are in the enclosed pool area. What? You, you don't get that reference, do you? No. That was like one of the last texts that Ch- or Benoit sent to Chavo, actually. What? Yeah. Swear to God. When Chavo was asking him that or Benoit was asking no, him that? No, Benoit sent that to Chavo like is... when, when it was going down. Huh. Yeah. It was weird. Mm-hmm. But enough about that. Enough about Chris Benoit. Um, as Matt Stryker is leading us into the show, he does mention, by the way, this was, this aired in August of 2015, probably filmed some point in the summer earlier. Uh, so this is about, you know, four, three months after Pero Aguayo Jr. had died in the ring in Mexico. And Matt Stryker does mention Pero Aguayo in the lead up to the show as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anytime someone dies in the ring, it's just. Ugh, it's awful. But um, Rey Mysterio is actually the guy that he wrestled for what it's worth in his last match. Oh, I remember this now. That was that was a sad, mm-hmm. sad event. Yeah, people were. I forget he died to. Um, was it the kangaroo kick that that Ray does through the ropes? Uh, are you talking about the six one nine. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think it's called a kangaroo kick. I, I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, and people were like, is it that dangerous? It's like, no, guys, it's not that. It's, it's been doing it, At that point, he'd been doing it for like, what, 12 years? Like, dude, no. The, the 619 is the weakest kick ever. Like, it don't, yeah. there's, it's, it's like, probably the safest move you can take. He's like grazing your, he's like grazing your face with his shins. That's all he's doing. He's, he's, he's gently spinning. And he's not even like sticking. His legs are gonna bend as soon as they hit you. Touch your face, like you're. Mm-hmm. 
if I have to take any wrestling move, I would take that one like a billion times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after that, we have our first match of the night, and they are starting off hot. We're talking about Johnny Mundo versus Alberto El Patron. Great match. Uh, and, you know, I, but we won't get into the finish just yet, but this no. is this is crazy how wrong I've been. Did you did you notice how Berto got the you know off the jump? Berto got the advantage, and did you notice <laughs> Johnny channels his inner Del Gribble to get the advantage on him? Del Gribble, pocket sand. Oh yes, well that yeah Johnny finally got that to get the advantage after Alberto was brawling with him, and this and this this whole match I've realized what my issue with Patron is, and not an issue where like I don't like him. But where I was saying his style is kind of uh, just disjointed to me is because yeah. he comes at people like he's brawling. And then he'll do like a super heel technical move like a William Regal or Triple H would do where he does like a limb targeting move. Mm-hmm. Like he ran up to Johnny and instead of throwing a punch, he does a, a MMA round kick to the to the outside thigh. And I was like, well – it's just you he does something i expect him to start brawling and throwing punches like stone cold but then he'll do something completely different and it just reminds me of how sometimes on the indie level fights will look brawls will look weird right and yeah. i i, I could i can even see say, someone taking an mma fighter and then the MF, mma fighter is going to do some you know some technical strikes some some martial arts things but sometimes a fight needs to look like a hockey fight yes Absolutely. You know? And uh, there's again, this, this didn't take away from the match. It's just something I noticed. And it's uh, and Alberto does it the best of anybody because I was into this. Like yeah. he does moves I like. He likes he, he does. He especially when he targets the arm. There was one where instead of slamming Johnny's head into the announce table, he was just taking his hand and slamming the, his hand against the announce table, which looks stupid, but it would hurt really bad because that desk is made of wood. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Oh my god! Um, solid... I mean, this was an attitude brawl. Yeah, this absolutely. is like with with hardcore rules through and through. Would you, wouldn't you agree? I would agree. There was such an amazing back and forth, and the temple loved every second of it, dude. Alberto even kicked out of Fende Mundo. So I mean, like, come on, man! Amazing. It was a great match, and I think this was a great brawl. And Johnny Mundo was a part of this, and this is, I think, this match is why I felt and why I still feel Johnny Mundo's the ace of the first season. Yeah. Cause he can, he can go in there with anybody. He had a mm-hmm. great, he had a great series of matches with Cuerno, Prince Puma, uh, and now Patron. And is there anyone else I'm thinking? Cause he's had a great match of like pretty much everybody. Yeah. I mean, pretty much anyone he gets in the ring with like him and Angelico had a good one off on an episode. There's no type of match where he doesn't feel out of place. Like sometimes we'll take some of these guys and we'll have a brawl and they're just doing spots. You know what I mean? And yeah. it don't feel like a brawl. Mundo went in there and it felt like a brawl. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, Alberto gets the visual win after um, a sidekick hits the ref, knocks him down. Alberto gets the visual win with the armbar submission. No one can call it, of course. They, they brawl on. Alberto is doing the draping armbar as he is leaning on the ropes to Jerry Tarantula style. And again, there's no ref there. So it's like you're you're doing all the damage, man, but you can't win right now. And it sucks. And that's when, and I forgot this existed, 
Melina Perez shows up, grabs the AAA Mega Championship, hits Berto in the head with it. Johnny hits Fin de Mundo, or End of the World. And Marty Elias wakes up just in time to count the pin. That's the part I forgot. I kept thinking uh, Patron won this match. And I can admit when I was wrong, so I was wrong all season. I remembered this thing. I remembered her. I did remember her interfering, but okay. I could have sworn. Like I, I'm convinced there that time travels went back in time and it changed the timeline because I re, I could have sworn that Patron won. You uh, wrong. It's a Mandela effect. You came in from another timeline. Uh, <laughs> I, it definitely. This definitely feels like it, bro. Like I, I could have sworn that. Uh, Patron won, but they gave uh, they gave him the visual win. They gave him like two visual wins at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they gave Mundo when Mundo was able to outsmart him and win. And they, I mean, Patron still comes out looking strong. Oh yeah, because of the aftermath. Because he beats the shit out of him. He does. He beats the. I, I wrote down Tar, but yes, shit also works. Um, Play through. Berto, uh, he throws him through the door. Dude, how about that blade job? Yeah, good job. Good job, Johnny. And something that, like, given what we know about Berto now, and th- th- this is, like, something that belonged in the uh, time capsule of, like, 1998 and not 2015, uh, Berto bending Molina over his knee and spank- spanking her. Yeah, I could have. they could have had another girl come out and attack Molina. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was, it was very Attitude Era. Yes very attitude error. It was good. I enjoyed it. I did as well. I did as well. After We had a commercial after that, or at least I, I assume that we did in the original telecast. Anyway, after that, El Dragon Azteca shows up to the pr- 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 prison and uh, I think he's going to get Black Lotus out when Dario Cueto comes up and uh, Dario says, you broke the treaty. And uh, what was the punishment for you breaking the treaty? And Azteca is like basically like begging. He's like, oh, don't, don't kill me, Dario. Don't kill me. And Dario's like, hey, I'm not going to have to. And <laughs> Lotus grabs Azteca by the has – him, has him in a chokehold. Okay, pardon me. Has him in a chokehold. And I noticed as you know, she's getting ready to strike him in the spine, I assume. Um, Dario is like swinging his necklace. I was like, that's 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 kind of funny, you know. It's like uh, like a bored teenager at the mall at GameStop just swinging his lanyard. He was very bored, but he was very successful. I mean, I asked the previous episode, I was like, what's his what's his plan keeping her in prison the whole time? And that was it. He was trying to get uh, Dragon Azteca to break the, tr- the treaty so he could legally kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm assuming so. he could legally kill him, but he can kill him. Yeah. Well, and here's another sign, by the way, that uh, Dario Cueto is full of shit. Uh, Lotus is like, I'm leaving. I-, I did what I set out to do. I'm gone. And Cueto's like, no, no, you need to come with me. Like, you just killed a man. <laughs> like, like, no, she can go out on the mend on her own. Well, what he said was that she's an enemy of the dragon tribe now. Yes, yes. And they would seek revenge. And he's right. I mm-hmm. mean, she's she's not only gullible. Yeah. She's stupid. Yes. Like, just has no idea what's going out going on in the world. Like, she got into this to kill the murderer of her parents. 
mm-hmm. but she didn't do any research to find out about the tribes involved because they're everywhere in the goddamn show. Yes. Right? And she Literally, was even boiled yeah. high surrounded with pe- by people who are connected to the uh, seven Aztec tribes. I mean, she didn't look into any of this. Like, she just, I mean, Dragon Azteca was right. She was not ready. And that's no. probably why, he's, like, she was probably physically ready, but he's like, man, she's stupid. I got to <laughs> figure out how to explain this to her because she's just going to yeah. go get herself killed. And uh, worse, she went and got tricked to work for the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is this is worse than when um, Simba gets tricked by Scar to run away. I don't know if you've ever watched, and that is very close. I don't know if you've ever watched Battlestar Galactica. Nope. All right, well, there's one girl. I don't remember her name, uh, but she went to go on the play in uh, uh, Hawaii Five-0, the remake. Uh, okay. She's the Asian girl. She the she just changes sides on the show from humans to Cylons, human to Cylons, so much that the other characters, the blonde girl even goes like, she's like, and they're like, they're asking the, the tall blonde girl in the red dress, they're like, do we know who she's working for? She's like, I don't know. It depends on what day it is. Like they even joke about it. That's that's basically uh, what's her name? Um, Black Lotus. She's whoever talks to her last is the yes. person that was able to convince her. Yes, exactly. It's ridiculous. Like she even, she's a crow. She even got tricked by a Guerrero, dude. She got tricked by everybody so far. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, Prince Puma kidnapped her. She's. <laughs> she's a main storyline but man she is just a weak yeah. character this angle sucks dude oh by the way uh black lotus is like what are we gonna do with him and darikwit is like matanza's coming with us Yeah, no match yet for this whole storyline not yet that's right we're a season in matanza has been alluded to for from episode two onward by the way this is the definition of slow build man because we've been nearly a full season to this point, never even seen Matanza. Not yet, at least. Nope. Nope. Not yet. Up next, we had the Cerro Miedo match. Pentagon Jr. versus almost said Papa Emeritus. It's actually Vampiro. Um, <laughs> Pentagon, by the way, he's wearing a lot of white here, which tells me he's going to bleed. There's there's definitely blood in, in this whole encounter. And did you did you mention uh, Vamp's entrance yet? Yeah, uh, he he stole the ghost gimmick, dude. Not only did he steal the outfit, uh huh, but the the freaking logo, dude. The yeah. logo is is just ghost, but with a V instead of a G. I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy has no shame, like zero no shame. I, dude, I doubt he got permission from uh, Tobias, the uh, singer from Ghost. I I I yeah. highly. I mean, I've been wrong. I yeah. admit. but I bet because again, this music is dubbed. I bet Vampiro even pulled some string. He's like, I'm, I'm going to come out to Cerise, okay? Is that is that cool? Oh, it's not? I'm doing it anyway. Dude, I... I man, it actually makes my blood boil. Just Yeah. Ghost should never be associated with someone as lame as Ian Hodgkinson. No, because he was... He just... Mm, I, my blood's boiling, man. I can't even... No. Articulate. Yeah, I get you. This was a hardcore bloodbath, though. Absolutely, a hardcore bloodbath, dude. It, the brawl style was completely ECW too. Like a few mm-hmm. punches exchanged, wandering around. Like newer fans might not see that very often, but like, you know what I mean. Like someone exchanges a punch, someone walks away, but they follow them. Like it's a standing brawl through and through, through throughout the uh, the the bleachers. Yes, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you notice the big kibosh when Pentagon was hip tossed into the light tube? I, I might have. I, I think I kind of toned tune this guy out sometimes because well, I, I was sorry, into these matches. I said the big kibosh just to mock him. But yeah, that light, that hip toss into the light tube, that was amazing. Well, that was the first exchange that Vampiro started winning because for the first mm-hmm. like 10 minutes, it was just Vamp getting hit with chairs. They even did a ref stoppage uh, with the fake X that the refs do, and they yeah, put him on was... a stretcher. Sorry, go ahead. I'm going to be honest. That was lame. I hate when they do the fake X because it's like, come on, some things are sacred. I definitely, I actually 100% agree with that because I think it's a lame attempt to get heat. I get it. I get where they're coming from when they do it, but it's still lame. And Vamp gets stretched out on a on a gurney, and then he beats up the paramedics that were just trying to save him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's such a douchebag. Like he beats them up. He gets back in the ring. He starts losing again, but then uh-huh. he starts getting. This is the first sequence he starts winning when he hip tosses Penta into a light tube, mm-hmm. and then he smashes a light tube over Penta's head as well. Yeah, that was the big kibosh right there. Um, at some point, like, Pentagon's mask starts getting ripped. He's not even wearing it anymore. Like, yes, it's technically on his head, but you can see his face, albeit covered in blood. He's wearing the crimson mask. Um, he's not even wearing his lucha mask throughout most of the finish. No, Vamp immediately goes to rip that off. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's before the thumbtack spot or after. Yeah. Dude, I, there was one point where I think Vamp does a dive, and there's just so much broken light tube glass and thumbtacks that it just keeps like everything keeps bouncing up off the off the ring. Yeah. When they hit it, uh, I don't. How, do they fake those? They gotta fake those light tubes, right? I would think so. Yeah. I don't because they they gotta. I mean, they definitely do because there's no way. Don't cancer. What's that? Don't those cause cancer? Uh, they, I mean, everything causes cancer, but like it's mercury, right? Okay. So it would like if it gets in, like they're bleeding, and if it gets in your blood, I, I would imagine you die. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I, I know, I think I saw Psycho Clown in AAA. Like he was biting and he chewing on light tubes, and it's just got to be fake, bro. You would think so, yeah. You would think so. At one point, we get a holy shit chant, and this is when. Uh, this is when Mike Chiavello chimes in. Holy fecal matter. I'm not even doing an accent here. Holy fecal matter indeed. Yeah, I might have tuned that out. That's yeah, awful. I, can't say I blame you. That is pretty bad. And well, he does have a pretty good call, though, because he refers to Vampiro as like a demented Picasso. He does. And he and he he does have a distorted view of the world. I will agree there. Yeah. I so, mean, this match was just seeing how much pain and punishment Vampiro's stub enough to take at his age. Look, um, and this may be uncomfortable for some people, but the what we got, what we saw on what I saw on Tubi, what you saw on your DVD or on Amazon, whatever you bought this on, mm-hmm. is not what the what the believers saw in the temple. And the fact that the believers were so hot for this match throughout, you know, into the finish, because supposedly this went like twice as long as what we saw. Because Vampiro went into business for himself. What a shock. Um, and apparently that was awful from what I hear. Yeah, I, I think he said it, it was 40 minutes long and they had a lot of stoppages and they had to redo things. Mm. Uh, but I could completely, and that was from Vamp's point of view, but I can definitely see him going into business for himself. And he yeah. did have some good spots that they kept. Like he did a running spinning wheel kick, which was great. He did yeah. a Uranagi, that was great. He did a, uh, 
I don't remember what the dive was. Do you remember what the dive was? I can't place it right now, man. I think it was just like a uh, wasn't it? It was like a flipping dive. Yeah, Maybe some kind of senton, flipping senton. I, I want to say, but uh, he. I mean, he did good. It was a good match for Vamp uh, for his age, and he was not in the best shape at the time. No, no. But he did that spinning wheel kick very fluidly, very mm-hmm. fluidly. Like that was really good, and you don't really see many people doing a spinning wheel kick. Uh, um, but it was a good match. It was it. A good match, and I love the finish. Uh, he 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 went back in time, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna show AEW how to how you do an explosion, how you use fire. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Pentagon lights him on fire, and he rolls to the opposite side of the ring than the person with the extinguisher. Yeah. So Vamp's on fire for probably longer than he needed well, to be. So so Pentagon, the table gets lit on fire by Vampiro, and then Pentagon hits, I believe, a Uranagi on him. Uh, yes i think you're right that goes through the table and yeah vamp was on fire for like a solid six to ten seconds yeah and he he had some insulated clothes on but not a lot i don't think and um i mean that that person with the fire extinguisher was just i don't know what what the miscommunication was but he was just slow to get to the other side they should have had two people yeah absolutely if not four but that Uranage, that was enough for Pentagon to get the win. And at this point, Pentagon has won the match, and he's wondering, Maestro, where are you? Where are you? And the whole time, Vampiro's in the background yelling, Break it! Break it! Break it, motherfucker! And <laughs> Pentagon's just ignoring Vampiro. He's like, I beat him. What the hell? Do-? Like, no, we're good. I made the sacrifice. And, oh, wait, 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 okay. He okay. does break the arm, yeah. He does break the arm, and that's when Pentagon's like, okay, I've made the sacrifice. Where are you? And then all of a sudden, Vampiro gets up, and he says, you know what? Let me tell you something. As your teacher, as your master, let me tell you. And and he drags this out, and he does it so perfectly because he says, as your teacher. And the whole crowd's like, What? Yeah, I, I remember predicting that. I was like, watch this whole... Uh, when it, As soon as the match started, I was like, watch this be Vampiro as the teacher. I was like, that'd, yeah. be, that'd probably be like uh, a good uh, twist, a swerve. Uh, well, but the, the audience loved it. When, when some, I was going to say, when someone pitched it to me when this was first airing, I was like, that sounds like some late 2000s Shyamalan bullshit, and it sounds awful. And then that's what we got, and it was amazing. And my first reaction when Vampiro was revealed as the master was goosebumps and not shock, but a lot of goosebumps and excitement. And my reaction when he says, you're ready, my son, goosebumps. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know where this came from. This was completely involuntary. I teared up a little. I mean, it was a a very emotional spot and it was a highlight. It was the pinnacle of Pentagon's whole arc in this episode was can he be violent enough mm-hmm. you know to to be a dominant force and mm-hmm. here he is destroying lighting a man on fire that used to be an icon showing no mercy i mean he had ascended at this yeah. point absolutely absolutely and the highlight of the crowd reactions if you remember the streak breaking at wrestlemania 30 you remember the black guy with the glasses and the shocked look on his face i'm assuming mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some of that. There was a blonde-haired girl, and she's, like, mouthing, what? 
yeah it was it was a uh, this was a great moment it's it's hard to, to to go into detail but it was a very pinnacle part of pentagon's career and look this is no this is no shade on the rest of the show this match for what we got anyway in the moment after the after the show after the match this was the highlight of this episode it was it, you could say it was the heart of the episode Mm-hmm. Easily, and, you know, it's funny because you know we've done three matches, we've discussed a lot of content, but this is a two-hour show, and they blocked the way they blocked this show because they did, they did Johnny versus Alberto, hot opener, could have been a main event, but whatever. They did some vignettes, and they did the Cerro Miedo match, and that took up forty-three minutes of the hour and a half on Tubi, and that tells me they blocked this show as though it was two separate hours, even though it was one show. Oh, definitely. They definitely did book it that way. And unfortunately, uh, this show does get held back by, I want to say, two matches that didn't really need to be on it. Mm. And yeah. that's a little controversial, but because uh, one of them is a good match, but it really should have been kind of on one of the episodes before. Remember the episodes that were dragging, that were just yeah. like D's? This could have been easily on one of those shows and saved it. Yes, absolutely. I, I are you talking about the Gift of the Gods seven way match? Yes, because it was a good match, but it was just so it had too much indie rhythmic stuff in it for mm-hmm. it to be a pay per view show. And again, it's one of those like the this was one episode, but it felt like two separate episodes the way they blocked it because this did feel like something you put on to be a hot opener. Exactly. Yep. And it and they did need to kind of change the momentum after the previous match. They needed some energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they immediately kill that energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I mean, what can you do? They did the best they could. They, they started some stories. They need to wrap them up. Uh, I don't know. What else can I say? Mike Schiavello had a good line about big Rick when he said, you know, big Rick, what can I say about the guy? He gets the munchies and the entire farming industry goes out of business. <laughs> I mean, he is a big fucking dude. Yeah. And he, he was wearing tights tonight, by the way. So, again, it's one of those it's WrestleMania syndrome. This is the big show. We're busting out new gear. He looked weird in it, though. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely didn't look like Zeke, you know? No, he it was a little too late. And I think this was supposed to be a major character thing, like where Dario was like, you know, I want you to be, uh, you know, a champion and I make money. I want you to be like you were when you beat Christian on last ECW. Yeah, and, and it was a little too little too late because his arc has been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been like the big show of the season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know but what I mean? They, yeah, and he got a lot of offense in here. And the thing about this seven-way is everyone got some shine or a hope spot or something. No one felt tacked on in this. Like even Bengala, he got some hope spots in there. He even hoofed Sexy Star. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of stories they tied back to. They tied back to Aerostar versus uh, versus um, Jack Jack Evans, uh, and even Jack Evans even controlled the match for the last third of it. I want to say, like, it was all him getting people, and he had someone in an octopus stretch. Uh, he had someone in the front face oh guillotine. God. He he goes for a dive on Big Rick, and as he's diving, he he yells, "Bold new champion!" <laughs> Dude, Jack Evans is great. He is amazing, and he's great in person. I actually met him in person. I th- I've said this before on the air. WrestleCon 2016. His style of wrestling is fantastic. 
he gave me shit for my Niners hat because he's from Seattle. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know why this popped me in particular, but Jack Evans goes to do a step up kick on Phoenix, who was holding someone at the time, and Phoenix ducks him. No, no, no. Phoenix was being held by someone, and Phoenix ducks him, and it just popped me for some reason. It was like, of course, this would happen to Jack Evans. I mean, and I guess we forgot to mention all the people that are in it. We got all right. a... it's a seven way. We have Big Rick, King Cuerno, Jack Evans, Bengala, Sexy Star, Aerostar, and Phoenix. And it was a good match. I mean, everyone had their spots. Everyone had their 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 moments. Uh, mm-hmm. The first the first third of it was all Big Rick controlling it. Yeah, with, with a few spots from Bengala. Yeah. Uh, there was a few po- spots, even though I knew the outcome. I was like, oh crap, is he going to win? And I forgot. Yeah. Because there was a lot of moments. Uh, Bengala well, had them, and so yeah. did uh, Jack Evans. Big Rick had. Big Rick had. You know, we thought he was going to win until Davari shows up, and Davari essentially eliminates Big Rick from the match. And for what it's worth, I don't believe either guy is going to be on next season. And Big Rick, this is actually the last we're going to see of him on the show. Did did now? Here's a question for you: Did they already break up as a? partnership in the previous episodes because i this was kind of out of the blue for me i was like oh they're they're not oh yeah i believe big rick went out on his own was there like a big fight i don't remember not that i can recall okay so it was just out of the blue yeah exactly exactly they they had to get rick out of the way and they couldn't think of a good a better way to do it (laughs) yeah exactly but the finish of the match comes when phoenix hits oh by the way uh sexy star was alone in the ring at one point and Marty the Moth shows up, and Marty runs in, and Sexy disposes of him very quickly. I mean, they had to—they weren't going to give her the win, so they had to give her something to make her look strong. And they—they they did succeed and with most that, characters. And the, and by the way, when this was being filmed, Lucha Underground hadn't been renewed, so we didn't know that there was going to be a second season. That's very—I mean, every season we didn't know if there was going to be a next season. Yeah. To be fair, there may be a fifth season that just hasn't. Been. <laughs> that it's very true. There, it'll, be there, on, it'll be on MLW. There was a spot where uh, Quirno had sexy star beat, but he decided not to pin her, and he yeah. focuses on Phoenix because he wanted to. And this made him strong. If even if it did hurt her a little bit, I mean, she was down. No. It didn't hurt her too much, but he wanted to go for Phoenix. He wanted the bigger prize, so that made yeah. him look strong because he had it won, but he decided no, this isn't enough. Uh, but he gets. I think with a combination of Jack Evans and a few other people, he gets taken out and it comes down to Phoenix and Jack Evans. <laughs> Dude, are you ready for me to go into the finish? Cause I love the Feel finish. Feel free brother. Feel free. Phoenix gets Jack Evans on his shoulders, like a fireman carry, but then he starts kneeing Jack in the head with his other knee as he's yeah. holding him. And then he does a fire thunder driver and basically yeah. kills him for the pin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Phoenix, Hits the fire driver, and Phoenix has won the gift of the gods. Great match. I mean, Phoenix did deserve it. Uh, and I think if this would wasn't, if they got rid of the next match, I think this match would have stood out a little bit better. Yeah, I would. I would think so. Um, next match, nothing much to report here. Tejano, whole ass cowboy. God love him, but he's stuck in here with Blue Damon. And uh, by the way, Tejano was wearing the black hat and he had the bull rope and he had the black tights, white boots, crisp look, man. Mexican Triple H. I dig it. Um, Very much. 
the crew come out alongside Blue Damon, you know, Cisco and Castro, and they are wearing blue suits, blue ties, man. They're Crips now. They got a blue bandana on Mr. Cisco. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when Blue Damon hands uh, Melissa Santos a card, the envelope. The envelope's blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was that note that was saying like, "Oh, this is now an uh, anything goes match." I believe. Due to yes, due to Blue Damon's legendary status, for what it's worth. I mean, I think if Blue Damon had shown up, if they had done this twist earlier in the season, yeah, it would have been better because it's actually not a bad angle, and again, it is kind of fun. It's fine, but again, this the you could tell this was a backup angle. Chavo couldn't work. So they're just like, oh, we'll just turn Dame on. Yeah, it, and it's unfortunate because of situations. I mean, they, the, I love the aesthetics of the blue, the, the, the suits with the blue tie and the, and the bandana and the blue card. The only thing they missed out was there, there was a kendo stick used at one point, and that could have been blue. Yeah, that would have been nice. Or like the tape could have been blue at least. Anything like it would have been, yeah. they could have gone, they should have gone overboard with it and had him be like, kind of like how Kenny is, where he's just full of himself right now. Yeah. Uh, and it, it it suffered. I mean, do you just want to blow through this? Because there's really not much to say about this match. No, it, it was basically a three-on-one match. Tejano did what he could. And it was three-on-one. Nothing much he could do. Chavo eventually runs in with the chair. And it's like, oh my god, is Chavo going to get revenge on Damon? And then, of course not. Chavo. I mean, the stupid, the, the, kid, the people in the, in, the, in the audience were genuinely shocked when Chavo turned on. Why? He's a guerrero. He was never aligned with him. He one, yeah, exactly. He was never ever aligned with Tejano, mm-hmm. and I, 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 it was the most obvious, yeah, thing ever. It was, it was like you remember when when uh, Rollins turned on the Shield. That was a genuine surprise. Yeah, I mean that that was more of a surprise. I mean, as you saw him back up, you're like, wait a minute. At well, this that's time- the thing. Like, you saw him back up. You had like three seconds to process the thing. And like one guy figured it out like right before he hit it, he hit Ambrose or no Roman with the chair because you get you could all you you know you go back and you watch and there's one guy that yells no yeah I, this but it's like, this was different this was yeah. you could tell from like the, he was the angle he was at it, this was like the exact opposite of that <laughs> it was bad I mean but it's yeah, a shame four on one. Uh, Chavo hits Tejano with the chair. Chavo then gives the chair to Blue Damon, who basically slaps Tejano with the chair. <laughs> it, it, Tejano took a took one for the team. He he never gets his he never gets his momentum back. No, his spot on the card. I mean, unfortunately, this hurt him. They tried to throw him a few bones later, but damage is done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Blue Damon gets the win, and oh my god, the Guerreros and the Damon family are united. And this is the last we see of Blue Damon. Yeah, this is... They could have spent more time explaining or showing the, the history. Like, maybe show clips of old matches of them betraying each other. There's so much they could have done. but well, And they were they were just hoping on people being smart marks, which is fine. But yeah. there's a limit to, like, you know, and, and Muzzy, if you're listening to this, this isn't an insult, but there's people that are fans like me and then there's people that have his kind of time where muzzle watches like every goddamn promotion right twice you know and then or or even uh or even the young boy josh like he he'll start talking about a match from like 83 
in a cage match in a certain that was untelevised that he knows about like this there's fans like that mm-hmm. and then there's other people that are going to be like i don't know what's significant about this yeah and then there's guys like me who's like yeah i like wrestling and i watch you know is you know what i can but i also like braves baseball and like six months out of the year that's what i'm going to be watching yeah they they failed on a front because they they i mean i don't know how at that time they would still imagine that smart marks would be yeah you know what i mean like that that's that's like even when you just have a hardcore fan base that's still like only like 10 percent of your base yeah and the thing with uh, this angle here and the, the blue Damon and Chavo standing side by side, it's like you could tell they had a plan, but they didn't get these guys under a long-term contract. I think blue Damon actually retired like right after this was done filming um, big Rick, same thing. So it's like, you know, you've, you could do something interesting, I guess in the next season, but you know, you don't have the talent to come back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they needed to think about based on the contracts. They they kind of signed like seven year contracts. They should, yeah, invest in the guys that you know are going to come back next season, or and make it make it so they can financially afford to do so, right? Yeah, and or make it just so it's a one year contract, so you can write the show as is, and just and and you know after something, be like, hey, do you want to come back? And we can keep doing this. That way, you have a show that's wrapped up, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't, yeah. you're not waiting for the, it's, so you, you know what I mean? Cause so many things are left on the table. Like big Rick is not coming back. Blue Damon's not coming back. Alberto's not coming back. There's just so many things they hyped up so much that you're never going to get closure for. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely and, right. And in, in the crossfire, you hurt Tejano. Uh, Mundo wasn't hurt as bad as I originally thought. So I was wrong about that, but he could have been hurt worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next up, we had our main event of the evening. This was for the Lucha Underground Championship, and for what it's worth, there must be a winner. This is Prince Puma defending the Lucha Underground Championship against Mil Muertes. And look, before we get started, okay, obvious statement of the century, Carly Perez is a beautiful woman. but She was looking amazing on this episode. Am I wrong? I mean, if you said that about any episode, you like, wouldn't be like wrong. especially amazing this week. She was she was looking good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that that's out of the way, the story of this match was basically just Prince Puma fighting from underneath, getting manhandled a lot. You could tell he was in over his head, um, and he m- may have done better if Conan was there, but Conan's gone now. There's like Prince Puma is. He's a kitty on his own, you know, walking about the Boyle Heights streets, you know? You're completely right, but you know what? I think this made him look stronger. Yeah. Because he was on his own. And and these two guys, they had amazing chemistry in this match. Like, they, they just have – Puma and Mill are great in the ring together. I mean, they start out brawling in the bleachers, just going back and forth, exchanging blows, Irish whipping one person into the wall, Irish whipping one person into this to the wooden chairs. Um it was really good. Uh, one of one of my favorite spots was they're outside the ring, right? And uh, Puma whips Milmortes into like the table or the chairs or something, and they're outside. Puma runs, jumps, and kicks off of the ring post above the ring and hits uh, Milmortes with a rider kick. Yeah, 
amazing. And then when they're in the ring, they do another spot where uh, Puma's running by him like with a drive-by RKO, but he doesn't land it. And Puma gets him in, or uh, Mil Mortes gets him in a German suplex and does a release German suplex. Puma flips like they do that flip in the air, lands on uh, his feet, and then does a double stomp onto yes. Mill. Amazing. Gosh, the the chemistry here, and I'm sure they pa- practice certain spots, but the chemistry here was just amazing. And Mil Muertes, oh my God, uh, the go to kick, Prince Puma leapfrogging a spear, which makes Mil Muertes shoulder tackle a chair. It was right. great. Oh my God, great stuff. Muertes, and this is tell you, you know, Ultima Lucha translated, final fight. So this is going to be epic. Mil Muertes kicks out of the 630. That's not enough. So Prince Puma's got, he's like, I got to go up for the second one. But then Katrina lifts the stone. Mil Muertes gets out of the way of the second attempt at the 630. He hits a spear and then a flatliner. And I was like, that's it. And then Prince Puma kicks out of the flatliner. That's the first time we've seen either of these finishers be kicked out of. Very true. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when Puma did the the 630 the first time, Mm -hmm. Katrina wasn't holding the rock up. She was genuinely surprised when Mill kicked out. I was, uh, yeah, I watched uh, Katrina very closely on these finisher sequences. I was like, why is she not holding the stone? But okay. I think that tied back to the original Phoenix fight where she lit Phoenix basically kill Mil Mortes because mm-hmm. he was so remember he was choking her he was attacking her like he was fighting back and I think she needed to kill his humanity left so she had more control over him yeah because he was he's stronger than than he realizes and she notices that and she thinks he's a threat so I think she was genuinely taken aback that he was able to kick out from that yeah absolutely absolutely but Mil Mortes again okay Flatliner gets kicked out of, which is insane. They they brawl around for a little bit longer. Prince Puma goes up to the top. Mil Muertes sprints and runs up top to close the distance. Hits a top rope flatliner. We have a one. We have a two. We have a three. Mil Muertes is the new Lucha Underground champion. Dude, he ran up that bitch like Kurt Angle used to do that. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, was- exactly. It was the most agility you'll ever see Mill have. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Just insane. Just insane. And now, after that, Katrina's, cel- you know, holding up the stone, celebrating with Mill Moritz. And uh, the trio's champions, the Disciples of Death, Trece, uh, Barro Negro, and... Um, Sinestro de... Sinestro Morte. de la Morte. Yeah. All come in the ring. And they're, all, they're holding on all the gold. And it's like Evolution in late 2003, except that in this version of Evolution, everyone sucks except Katrina and Triple H. Yeah, you can say that. I mean, they're they're kind of an under, they're a placeholder. Yeah, for sure. Trios team. Uh, definitely they're the hold the belts um, until someone better comes along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was not the end of the show because we have, this is the season finale. And we have a lot of vignettes here of people, you know, leaving the temple one way or another. First thing we have here is Lotus and Dario Cueto leaving in haste. And by the way, Dario Cueto leaving in such haste that he almost leaves the Toro behind, but he does not. No, and I, I was actually wondering, do you think they had a sponsorship of Red Bull? 
I don't think so, but I think they certainly missed opportunity. I think they made the effort. (laughs) But yeah, that uh, Red Bull is very important, so pay attention to that next season. Absolutely. It is very important. The uh, Toro Rojo, for those of you who are cultured and speak Spanish like I do, um, we actually see Matanza's eyes for the first time. That is correct. He, you see him leaning outside of his like. I think they have him in a horse carriage. Like he's in he's, a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, horse yeah. trailer. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I don't know if he's like used his hands or something, but he somehow tore a hole in the trailer to where he see his eyes. Dude, how funny would it be if someone did that? Like on Halloween, someone drove around in a horse trailer, and there was like a Matanza guy with a mask, like Matanza, like leaning out, like just blood's oozing out of the cell occasionally. Oh. Like, how crazy would that look? That would be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Phoenix drives off in a sick Trans Am holding the Gift of the Gods championship. He he leaves in a, uh, I think it was a Firebird, right? Firebird, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm not much of a car guy, but the Phoenix logo on the car kind of. <laughs> way, yeah. Uh, Marty the Moth has kidnapped. Don't forget, sex- don't forget who followed Phoenix. Who was who behind? Or, oh, Cuerno. Yes, Cuerno in the truck, dude. He was stuck. He had the lights off until Phoenix left, and then he followed him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, we've got continuation there from, from the Gift of the Gods match. Marty the Moth has kidnapped Sexy Star, and this was when we realized, oh, that, that harmless goof? He's not so harmless anymore. No, he kidnapped the woman. Yeah. And uh, he was basically living out his uh, Arthur Fleck. We're living in a society um, moment. Yeah, we got to hope that uh, no one finds out because he's going to get me too me off of AEW if anyone finds out what he did to Sexy Star. Oh, God. <laughs> well, since it's Sexy Star, they might let it slide. But um, uh, that's true. Maybe. Uh, we'll God. see. Um, <laughs> Marty's like, you know, you think I'm a joke. But you're not going to be laughing when you meet my sister. So we've got a teaser for a new character to show up in season two. That's exciting. That's not the only one, though. We'll talk about that in a second. Next, we see the former trios champions of Angelico, Son of Havoc. And they're talking. And Son of Havoc's like, hey, man, we're going to get those titles back. And Helico's like, hell yeah. And Helico rides off on his bike. Sexy, or pardon me, uh, Son of Havoc puts on his helmet and he says like how about one more for the ride for the road and evil ace is like shut up and son of havoc rides on the back of the bike or as some may say not me but some may say he rides bitch i'd say it yeah um yeah evil ace's added personality is just sandpaper <laughs> to your eyes like it's just like there's a point where it's just it's too much how could someone so beautiful be so ugly on the inside? Well, it's just like that personality. You could be as beautiful as you want. It's just like, I don't know how many, like whoever the demographic is you're going for, guys or girls, like who likes somebody that's that just abrasive, that caustic. It's just like, ugh. Only other people that are that abrasive. Okay, but yeah, I could see that because that, there's no way a normal person's like, oh man, she's so cool. Like she's she treats everyone like shit, and uh, she can't wrestle because her leg's broken. Man, she's the best. Like a woman, uh, pardon me, I, I don't want to. Okay, look, it's like the type of woman that reads Gary V 
and like gets the like the be a bitch lesson out of it, you know? Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm, you might have to explain that one to me off the air. Motiv- motivational speaker and hack. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, it's definitely someone that gets the attitude of uh, like I'll say it like this: it's it's the type of guy that's told you know you got to be more. Uh, manly and decides oh i'm gonna be an asshole or someone that's like you know i gotta have more uh more you know masculinity more get-go more more you know uh, i gotta have more going for me and goes you know what that means are girls like guys that are a little bit more uh tough they go oh that means girls like guys that are assholes Mm -hmm. that's the kind of energy this is i was gonna say yeah yeah yeah, exactly exactly um (laughs) Like, you don't want to be a simp, you don't want to be a beta, but, like, the other way, going hard the other way is not the answer. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Just be yourself, folks, man. You know, go go out there, do your very best, and just be a a man's man, whatever that means. I don't know. Not what Gary thinks. Be nice, be respectful, but don't be a pushover. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Stand your ground, dude. That's enough about big boy Matt Cross. Yep, big boy voice Matt Cross. Um. <laughs> oh man, remember when I broke your brain earlier on, like four months ago, dude? Probably not. Good times, man. Good times. Th- this has been a wild ride, and I'm glad we get to do it for three more seasons. Is there three more? Se- yeah, that's right. Four. Yeah. So after the scene with the former trios champions, Drago and Aerostar, they're doing the old the man handshake. From is that from uh, Predator? Yes, sir with carl weathers and arnold yes sir the the arm grip hand the forearm handshake and yep, the flex um, yes and you know their drug is like i'll see you again blah 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 and his voice is like this is like big boy voice with a demon as well and he goes you know you son of a bitch and he <laughs> gives him the handshake <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great um <laughs> I can't do Arnold's accent, but you know. So what they, so they both leave, but it's interesting how they leave because Drago we've flushes been, himself uh, down a toilet. We've t- no, no, we've been told. <laughs> oh, we've okay. been told Drago is a dragon, and here's your fucking proof. He leaves through fire, and our Aerostar uh, ascends into the heavens. Yeah, Aerostar is a challenging character. The more lore, lore you learn about him. Yeah. Um fucking wild. This show is wild, bro. And we do cut to uh uh Pentagon and um Oh yeah, Pentagon says where are we going and Vampiro says to a much darker place. It's just such a fucking poser, bro. I can't. Yeah. Dude, that's one thing like okay, we've okay. In retrospect and we'll we'll talk about it, but like the character who surprised me the most and how much better he is than I remembered upon rewatch was Hernandez. The character who did just the opposite was Vampiro. Yeah. Um, the opposite. Yeah. I, if we're looking back on the things I, w- I was wrong about Alberto, he, t- he turned around in my eyes too. Um, I was really disappointed in Penta the first season. Yeah. Cause he was just kind of like, I don't know, man. I, Conan held him back and it shouldn't have worked that way. Cause Conan, I like and respect. You mean Puma. Who would I say? Penta. Yeah, I meant to say uh, Puma. Puma, I mean, his best, ma- not his best match, but like his best match was against Johnny Mundo yeah. all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
he just they they should have took the training wheels off earlier with Conan. Yeah. Um, he what it, it turned the the cage feud turned into Conan's feud, not Pumas, as you said. Yeah. You said before, and you were right. Um, there's not too many people that really surprised me other than that, though. That's fair enough. Hernandez, you were right. He he completely surprised both of us. Like we were, we're Hernandez fans now. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. he doesn't come back. No, he doesn't, and that's the shame. Um, okay, the the one of the last things we see is El Dragon Azteca Jr. He is drawing graffiti on the Lucha Underground billboard, and what does he draw, Greg? A question mark. Punctuation. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder what could, that alludes to. Could that mean what I think it means? Well, it does. Mm. But we'll let, uh, I, we'll let the people I, find out when it when when whatever happens happens. But they get to wait a lot less longer than we had to originally. Yeah, because they can either wait, Google like, it or they can like, wait till we come back. I was gonna say, yeah, guys, don't don't spoil it for yourselves. If you've if you've made it through this first season without spoiling anything, don't spoil anything at this point. Like. Just ride with us. It's gonna be a month, and we'll be back. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I think we just we we felt we deserved a little bit of a, a break. We haven't missed a day. Nope. Been consistent. Off. That's us, man. Except for this month. This month we're taking. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, and yeah, but aside from that, you know, um, <laughs> but that's not the last thing we see. The last thing we see is Dario Cueto. I don't know, somewhere. Lights are turning off, but there's a red light, and it's just Dario Cueto with a sly smirk looking as evil as evil can be. Oh, yeah, all the lights are going off, and it's just a red light behind him signifying he's the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that confused me about the ending is that he has, him and, I don't know if maybe you you, you mentioned it, him and Black Lotus, they're leaving. Yeah. Because he says, we have to leave the temple now. Yeah. And... You know, I would say we know why, but frankly, do we? Do we know why he had to leave? <laughs> Who knows, dude? Like he he has to leave now, and you'll find out the sort of reason why when season two starts, which is awesome. But uh, it's still kind of kind of like okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Oh man. And we get a to be continued. And folks, that's the show. What are we grading this one? I am going to give this an A. I'm I'm in the same boat. It's a shame because if it didn't have the Tejano stuff, if it didn't have that, I think even with the Gift of the Gods match, it could have been an S. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Folks. You can listen to us almost every Thursday. <laughs> Let me take a look at the calendar real quick. See when we are going to return. Well, it's not set in stone right yet. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, what day did we were shooting for? Well, you know what? I, I think I don't think it's a big deal. If we say, hey, our next episode, season two, episode one, is going to drop on July 1st. Oh, yeah, that's fine. fine. That's five weeks. That's four weeks without us. 
that's I good. Think, I think the people. I I don't think that's too long for anyone to forget about us, but I think it's long enough for people to yearn for us again. You know. Yeah, and we may. No guarantees. We might put out a teaser, a small teaser episode, just talking about the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I know I I pitched that idea. To we you. may get a little bit inside baseball as well. Uh, it it wouldn't be much me doing much talking. No, 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 not not literal baseball. But you know, you've heard the slang term "inside baseball." I assume. Apparently not. Well, you know, like you'd kind of said, basically like the the creation of the podcast. Um, uh, okay. You know, what kind of friendship that we have, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, not going to bore you guys for forever, but you know, guys, there are plenty of other great shows on this network while we are gone. None as great as us. Of course, we are your favorite wrestling podcasters, favorite wrestling podcast, but you can check out the other great shows here on the social suplex podcast network. Do do do. I can run through them, I think. Uh, hold on. Man, um, dude, I am so... Unprofessional. Unprofessional. But I'm also so ready to get back to the theater. And I'm actually going on Thursday, man. I'm excited. I need everyone else to start going to the theater, so my AMC stock will go to the moon. To the moon. I actually have a Regal membership. Nice. Well, you're dead to me now. Yeah, fair enough. Um... It's just the closest AMC to me only runs three days a week. That's stupid. Yeah, it's because it's in a suburb and not in an actual metro area. So, you know, anyway, folks, there are other great shows here on the network you can listen to while we are gone for the month of June. These shows include, if you like Impact Wrestling and video games, watch, listen to the 8-Bit Suplex podcast hosted by... Josh McLaughlin, Hill Josh number two, and sometimes Shooter Santos, Sandy Gaviria. You can also listen to, if you like AEW, you can listen to All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz. If you want to listen to DJ Cooks talk about great matches, I implore you to listen to the Great Match Generator. That is exactly what it sounds like. Independent wrestling fans, check out Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Chris Things. And James Vanderbeek of yes. Dawson's Creek. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Keeping It Strong style is based around New Japan. That is hosted by Jeremy Donovan <laughs> and the young boy, Kill Josh number one, Josh Smith. Two more shows here. First off, the first show on the network, the OG of the network. We're talking about One Nation Radio. Hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. That's WWE. That's AEW. That's everything under the sun you can think of, including politics and music and pop culture. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely not least. My two Scottish friends, they put out great content week after week. Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. That is the lineup here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You know, we talk about how we're the best show. We're the true ace of podcasts. We're all these things. But Rich, if you're listening... And you haven't fallen asleep yet. Thank you. And thank you, Jeremy. And thank you, everyone here at the network for giving us this platform to go back and have an excuse to watch Lucha Underground again and get to talk about it with another like-minded individual. This has been this has been a great time. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree. And I got to say, make sure you come back for when our first episode drops for season two. Uh-huh. Uh, 
because now if you don't, if you I don't, will be tweeting all about it. By the way, good, and because if you don't, if you don't tune in and you miss it, there will be grave consequences. <laughs>